Welcome to the Transformation Church Weekly Follow-Up Podcast. Our goal is to help create context and drive conversation to learn more of what God has for us. Now, let's join our team as we get to follow up, break down, and gain deeper insight into this week's message. Hey guys, welcome back to the TC Weekly Follow-Up Podcast. I am Justin Oswald. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Justin Oswald underscore. With me again today, Brad Livingston. What's up, guys? It's good to be back. Another week, another sermon, another follow-up podcast, and uh, super pumped. Had a great day this past Sunday and a great sermon. Pastor Dan uh, really brought a, a powerful word, and so, man, we all honor to uh, to Pastor, who's always just always brings the heat you know it does a a great job and so man it was it was really really good having him preaching on sunday yeah and, and uh, as we get ready to get into that you know don't forget follow us on all our uh, our outlets so for justin you know justin oswald underscore on instagram and twitter yeah proceed with caution yes and then at brad livingston underscore uh twitter and instagram you can catch us there we'd love to to hear from you give us a shout out uh so add us in a tweet tag us whatever uh but yeah we're super pumped and and uh it was it was a good week and so let's jump straight in and and we're gonna do a little bit different uh pastor nan's not with us on the podcast so it's it's justin and i and you know we're gonna be referencing his sermon but more or less today's gonna be more having some conversations about doubt um, and kind of how it affects us. And so uh, if you haven't had a chance to go listen to the sermon from Sunday, man, I encourage you to go do that. And Pastor Dan really kind of hones in and, and centers uh, the the uh, sermon on the idea that doubt storms hit our life. And there are moments, there are key seasons where the doubt just kind of, it, it hits you. Sometimes it catches you off guard and, and, uh, Man, I don't, I, you know, I have some some personal stories that definitely correlate with that. Man, I can see in different areas of my life and different times throughout my life that that was uh, that that doubt was definitely like overwhelming. Yeah, you know, and uh, and so we we want to kind of just talk about some of those things and reference some of the what Pastor said. But what what do you think, Justin? How, what did you think about the the doubt storms? On Sunday, yeah, I thought it was very applicable to things that Christians go through. You know, uh, as far as when things don't go right, you know, or quote, quote or, unquote quote unquote right or right. good or whatever. You know, as believers, you know, we tend to the misconception is that you know when you follow God that or believe in Him, but you, you know that things are are great and they're not. Not you know, always. Not, and, right, right. right, right, right. And, and from some from a circumstance standpoint. Right. And it's like how do you how do you reconcile that when things go bad, you know? And obviously in our church we've had that that's hit close to home with pastor, you know, and, and y'all's family and right. so he can he can preach from a personal spot on that. And it's like even in that like how do you, you know, even like when it comes to dealing and coping, you know, type of thing, but you know, it's like you, you, you doubt and you ask why, you know, like, right, the, right, right. Or, you know, you start having these arguments with God or these fights with God. And, um, you know, it's like sometimes people that don't believe have better quote unquote better lives, you know, or things don't go as bad. And it's like, if I follow you, God, then why does this stuff happen? Well, yeah. Cause I think, I, I think at the end of the day, what, what you're talking about you know, God's goodness is abundantly clear in all of our lives. You know, I mean, it, it, the things that we ju- just the things we take for granted, 
seeing how God is good in those things. The fact that we woke up today, the fact that many of us woke up in a home that is ours, driving a car that is ours, like, you know, like God's goodness in all of those things is, is pretty easy to see for the most part. And I think where a lot of people start to miss it. And a lot of times, man, and a lot of times it's hard is our beef with God oftentimes isn't the fact that things didn't go well. It's the fact that they didn't go the way we thought they should have gone. Right. Like oftentimes what we're angry about God with is merely just our disappointment that they didn't turn out the way we wanted them to. That's right. And like nowhere in scripture is God saying or or even implying that we're just going to get our way all the time. But if and if anyone's responsible for this, it's this prosperity gospel teaching where like you come to the Lord so that all things get better. Um, and I don't think that when you come to the Lord, all things get worse. That's not the teaching I believe in either. But the Bible, man, Paul, I mean, Paul in the New Testament, Job, like all these throughout the Bible, it's abundantly clear that when God puts his hand on you, like when God chooses you, when you step into grace, as you are walk the path of salvation, that things don't just get better. Like they, things don't magically become great just because God is now a part of your life. If anything, because God is a part of your life, now there is a plan of the enemy to attack you, to attack your family. The Bible says he's walking around like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour, which now means that, and people come to us. I mean, you've like, you've been in ministry long enough, right? Yeah. People come to us and they say like, I never had these struggles before I got saved. And it's like, no, you were just going to hell. Like everything was good. You were going to hell, but everything was like, no, like, (laughs) you know what I'm saying? Like, so man, this prosperity gospel, the concept of it is dangerous because what it turns God into is our genie that we make requests to, and he just grants our wishes. And when he doesn't grant our wishes, now we're mad at him, right? And doubt, doubt begins to me, in my personal opinion, and this is especially on my personal journey, doubt begins at bad theology. Like yeah. believers with a healthy theology of who God is, what he, what his role is in our lives after salvation, what he is supposed to do and what he isn't supposed to do. People that have a good grasp on that, in other words, they have a healthy theology, they don't struggle with the same doubt that people with bad theology struggle with and talking about bad theology, the prior, you know, prosperity gospel, prosperity theology, God will do anything you tell him or God will do anything for you because you asked for it. It's like, nah, well, the thing is <laughs> not the, how this works. The thing with the prosperity gospel to me is like these, even these preachers that preach it, you know, even when it comes to material things, like when they're questioned on, you know, their Rolls Royce or whatever the case is, it's like, no, man, this is what God does. It's like, but you're the only one in your church that he's doing that for. Right. You know, you're the only, you know, so you're the only, you know what I mean? It's like, if he's doing it, why is he doing it for more people? And I think I, and and it, it, it hits home, I think in a lot of, um, uh, a lot of particular ethnicities in the faith. And I'm going to, I'm going to walk a little dangerous here, but I think that it's applicable. Right. And, and oh boy. so we see, I have seen, because we've done inner city ministry for a long time, I've watched televangelists. And I think this is a big reason. I got a lot of friends that I went to high school with who think that organized religion is a joke that are African-American. Right. And so, um, 
African-American young men and young women who think that organized religion is a joke. And here's their basis. I watched my mom or my grandma or my aunt mail this televangelist a check every month. And they never, they're still living, like they're still living paycheck to paycheck. They're still struggling. Meanwhile, the televangelist that they mailed the check to just bought a jet or just bought a $100,000 car or has eight houses or, you know, or whatever the case may be. Now, bring that to a local scale, you know, like you're a pastor and, you know, whatever the case, I mean, there are pastors in our city that live far beyond the necessity of their means. And I'm not just talking about have a a 2012 truck or they should be driving a beater. I'm talking like every year they have the latest, greatest. They got an eight bedroom house for them and their wife. I'm talking about like outlandish, you know, mm-hmm. like they're, they're living in a mansion, driving six cars and half the people in their church are poor. And it's like, guys, come on, like, come on. And, and I, and I think that is a big reason why a lot of these young people, and I say young people, even millennials or younger grew up watching that are like man i'm so done with this well we had a i mean when you're talking about the cultural thing is i had a conversation yesterday with someone we were talking about pastor appreciation yeah you know that happens in churches you know and a local church where you know and i'm sure there's a lot of good you know obviously our podcast isn't to bash churches but surely there's ministry that happens out of this church that's great you know but the the pastor appreciation is they plan it for like months in advance and they had a goal that they tell the church that they were raising $40,000 to give the pastor for, pastor for a pastor appreciation. Yet there's moms sitting out there that have a hard time feeding their kids. Like, how do you, how do you walk out on that stage that day as the pastor, knowing that you're getting, they're giving you 40 grand and there's people that are having a hard time paying their bills and stuff. Yeah. And that, that's, and they're, they're, they're campaigning to collect that, that money. It's like, that's, that's weird to me. You know, and I, not that I want to tell, I don't know all the ins and outs of what they do and, and how that happened. Sure, this sure. is just a secondhand story. But you know, if, if that's all true, uh, that's just weird. To, it's just weird. Well, especially like you're on staff, like, in other words, like you get paid, I'm assuming probably pretty well anyways, you know what I mean? Like most pastors, and it's strange because here we are as pastors. Like, you know, but, but, you know, like we both know what each other makes and it's not, like, ain't any of us, neither one of us rolling up in Bentleys or even Mercedes or like. No, I, I drive a Malibu. <laughs> like, <laughs> I, got no. a, I got a 2008 Tundra. Yeah, but I, I got like, a Malibu. Right, right, right. Like, nah, bro. And, and they're nice cars. Like, don't get me wrong. Right. We, we, like, we, but we just, li- we don't live outside of our means. And bringing that conversation full circle, because you're right. One of my favorite, one of the things that made me so excited to get rid of at Transformation Church was pastor appreciation stuff. Because honestly, it's like I'm on staff here. I, this I'm on salary. I get paid every week. I came from the I came from, you know, the corporate world. You know what I mean. So I know what it means to work hard in the corporate world. I know what it means to work hard in the labor force because I did that. You know what I mean. Like I've done all of those things. Now here I am, uh, and, and I get number one. I get honored. You know, we're we're honored to have the position that we have, and God takes care of us financially because we're on staff. I don't need an extra 20 grand or 80 to like, I don't need an extra hundred thousand dollars. No, one have to buy me a jet. I don't need a new car every year just because I'm a pastor. And therefore like, no, none of those things, like no, I don't and, need any and, and of I that. And I think it's okay to honor, you know, pastors and, sure, and sure. even, you know, a lot of times, and I think that some of it's a cult, 
cultural thing in the sense of not necessarily like ethnicity like we're talking about right, before right, that's different you know but right. the, the culture of of just you know people want to this happens in the white uh, church black yeah, they church, want to, well, church whatever, you know a lot yeah. of times even with the pastor appreciation it's a whole month you know there's a True. pastor appreciation month it's like a nationwide thing where you know people get cards and they just want to it, it's i think it's okay to honor your pastors and, and stuff but Fair enough. Uh, it, yeah. it's it's when even if it's monetarily small gifts you know sometimes people give an extra hundred like I've had people give me money personally, and I know you have too. It's not yep. a lot. It's a bless. It, they want to bless, right. you know. And it's it's like I I appreciate that and I get that. But there's there there's surely there's a line of someone handing you a hundred dollar bill in the church on on the behalf of the church campaigning to raise forty grand. Well, and here's my like, beef bro. with that. Here's my beef with that. If someone walks up to me and shakes my hand, there's a hundred dollar bill in it. Number one, me and you don't make a lot of money. So when someone does that, it actually does mean something. One. Number one, right. Number two, they're actually hearing from the Lord and feeling in their heart to do that. Which brings me to number three is no one's campaigning for that. You know, we're not we're not like sending mail outs with mine and my wife's picture on it and it's gonna be pastor pre like we're not so we're not mm. we're not trying to get people to give like we're not convincing people to be a part of this thing. Listen, if someone in obedience, God tells them you know, like to to give a hundred dollars to me or to you or or to any of our staff, yeah, Karen yeah. or whoever. Like, doesn't matter to me. Like their obedience, man, I support it a hundred percent. So don't. I hope people don't misunderstand what I'm saying. We're grateful when people are obedient to the Lord and and they give according to what the Lord tells them to do. But when it's people trying to coerce money out of other people, and this getting coming full circle back to what the the whole point of what we're talking about today. When people are coercing money out of other people, in turn, what it does is it belittles the faith in the God that we believe in, and it puts us in an environment where I've done A, B, and C, and since I've done A, B, and C, God has to do X, Y, and Z. Because I've done A, B, and C, God has to do X, Y, and Z, and that is, we don't summon God like a genie. Now, there are areas where God has said, if you do this, I will do this. And he has already, he's made those promises. And, I, you know, like mm-hmm. th- those things are abundantly clear. What you sow, you reap. I mean, those things are clear, uh, especially when it's in good soil. I'm going to say that again, especially when it's in good soil. So if you don't know the person you're sending your money to, stop. But anyways, uh, <laughs> because if it's not good soil, you don't reap a good harvest. That's a lot of what people are going through. Like I've sent my money every month to some televangelist for the last 20 years, and God still hadn't done anything for me. That ain't good soil. Put your seed in good soil, and you'll reap a harvest. You know. Mm. Anyways. I hope, <laughs> I hope they listen. All that to say, y'all can share this with somebody that you know that needs it, okay? But all no, that to I, say, I hope the evangelists are listening. Well, then there's that. But no, <laughs> <laughs> but all that to say is it's like, yeah, man, that's where a lot of the doubt comes from. Because yeah. because God didn't come through the way that Pastor so and so said he was going to, or, or or deacon or whatever, you know, like whatever, bishop, apostle, prophet, whatever. Like, and it, well, when is that? When Do- has, Dr. Uh, Apostle? Dr. Oh, gosh. Wait. Oh gosh! Too, too close. Too close. Oh man! Too close to come for comfort. <laughs> so, <laughs> so all that to say, doubt storms come when we don't get our way. Really? Yeah. Now, 
Now I want to I want to add to that because I think that's kind of going in the direction we wanted to go with this today. Sometimes what we want or the way we want things is okay. For example, I'll use it's ho- it's close to home, but you know I'll use my son Jabin, who, if this is your first time listening, went home to be with the Lord. Uh, God sovereignly chose to take him to heaven at five and a half years old, far earlier than if it were up to me, God would have healed him of the disease he had and left him here. So me wanting my way, which was that God would heal him and leave him here, is fair. Like that's a that's an okay request. It's even an okay expectation. And it's an okay prayer to pray. But when God chose to take him home, the doubt didn't consume my mind because I knew that I wasn't able to summon God upon my requests. I'm merely a servant to what he wants to accomplish here on this earth. And when you approach God as a servant to a king, rather than um, as the person that has the power over God to summon him the way we would like to wield him or whatever, it changes our approach. And when we change our approach, then it changes how we view our outcome. Mm-hmm. And that's what pastor is talking about. Sunday is like the outcomes mess you up sometimes. You know, yeah. So, and he used a he used a bit of a um, analogy, and uh, Justin. So Justin has this is something many of you don't know. Justin oh, no. has a, has a bit of road rage when he's I, driving. I don't know if that's accurate. <laughs> <laughs> just tell people about how you like to drive, Justin. What were you just talking about in the car? Well. <laughs> <laughs> No, yeah, we'll leave that out. No, I, people just can't drive. <laughs> like, this lady literally was in the left lane doing 27. In a 40. In a 40. Yeah. Five. 45, you're right. You know, and it's like, lady. Move. Yeah, so, yeah, I, I just, it's not a, necessarily a road rage issue. It's a patience issue that I have. And, you know, I think most people are just oblivious. To their surroundings, <laughs> right. like there's people that drive faster than me. I get over and allow them to to do that. You know, you know what I mean. Um, so no, but yeah, right. but yeah, I get uh, people are. Yeah, yeah people, people can't, can't drive. People can't drive. Yes, but so Justin is a uh, he like when he, if he's on the road, he's moving. I'm getting there. He's got somewhere to be. He uh-huh. the dude that likes to just casually stroll down the street and look at stuff. No, I do that too. I'm looking at stuff. You trying? You looking uh, at where you going? I'm trying to get there. Like I'm gonna be first. <laughs> it ain't a race, but I'm getting there first. If you ain't first, you're last. <laughs> yeah. John can throw in some Ricky Bobby. If you, <laughs> so, that'd be cool. But uh, yeah, no. Listen, but it, the, what I was getting at with that is, you know, it, how quickly you can go from moving fast in life. You're moving fast, and you're and you're you've got a destination. You can see the end goal. You have plans for your life, right? Like you know where you're going. And all of a sudden, out of nowhere, you're seeing clearly in a, in a rock. And Pastor was referencing a metaphorical rock hits your window or your windshield that you see life through. And now the thing that you used to see so clearly is now broken up and it's not as easy to see. And that rock could be your your child getting sick. It could be you getting sick and getting cancer. It could be you losing your job. It could be you losing your house. It could be something terrible happen. You know, you find out one of your parents is sick. I mean, the, the list goes on of what those rocks could be. And so you're moving in life and things are going well and things are good. 
but that rock hits your windshield and now what you used to be able to see so clearly is all obstructed you know and it messes up your path right and it's and so things become difficult man like it becomes it becomes difficult to see uh, particularly when the what you're viewing through the windshield is god you know so you have a crystal clear image of who god is and maybe it was the way you were brought up but you just know who god is and but all of a sudden man that rock whatever that rock is it hits your windshield and now even how you view god not just how you view your life not just how you view your future but even how you view god gets jacked up man like gets messed up and now you can't see as clear and it's like nothing nothing really has changed like even the path hasn't necessarily changed right this is how you see it. Right, exactly. You know, and that's the weird part, you know, and, or, or the, I say weird, that's the, the odd thing to try to reconcile, you know, in your, in your own head. You know, but what's crazy is like, do you ever feel, do you ever feel like, and I don't know, I guess it goes back to God's just, God's God and he's sovereign, but some people have it way worse than others. Like, right, right, I'm going right. to, I'll use the example of myself. I, I've all, I've always kind of said this almost as a joking way. And I don't really know how else to say it, but it's like, I'm a winner. Like I'm going to win. I'm, right. I'm going to come out on top. And I've always, since I've been a believer, it's because, because, because I'm a believer. Like it's one of those things like God's going to take care of me. And now I've gone through stuff that aren't pleasant, you know? Sure. Um, sure. So life isn't always good, but it always ends up good. And it's like, but some people aren't, don't, I know don't feel that way. Right. I would say a lot of people don't. They feel like that they're, like they're, they're hoping one day it turns good. And right. I have good days and bad days. Right. I just believe like I'm a winner. I'm going to win. I'm a, I'm a, and, and when I say win, like in quotes, like whatever that means. But, you know, like I know at the end of the day, at the end of my life, you know, it may, it hasn't turned out the way I would have planned it or the way I would have done it, but it's still really good. Right. Right. You know, right. and I know there's people who believe like just us being blessed to be Americans in the sense of we live in this country where we have these, I mean, there's some people that are like to be a believer means you risking your life. Yeah. We got, we got brothers and sisters in China dying every day right now. Yeah. Like by the dozens and sometimes the hundreds per day for being believers. Right. That's happening in China right now. And, and the news networks aren't covering it. Like, unless you know who to talk to, you don't even know that exists. Mm-hmm. But here we are complaining because the third car in our household's not working. So now two people have to, you know what I mean? It's, it's and like, and I don't under, and, and I don't know how to necessarily explain that to someone, you know, like how come, how come I have it so good? And there's some that don't, you know, by the grace of God, man. Right. So that's, at the that's end of the it. day, I can't answer that. Like, why are some kids born with down syndrome? Like, you, you know, like, yeah. You know, if, if we as believers believe God knew you before you were, you know, in your mother's womb, Correct. that he knew you were going to be that way. But why? Mm-hmm. You know, we, we can't explain that yet. And he- yeah. And, and even even when it comes to that, you know, it's it, my response is the same. And it has more meaning now than it had before we had Jabin. My My response has always been the same. However, my response now that having had a son, even with special needs and there was sickness uh, that that battled sickness, and now the Lord has chosen to take him home. Even now, when that question pops up, my response is the same, but it means something different now. And I think people on the receiving end of what I say receive it differently now than they did before. And my answer is the same: like that God would be glorified even in that. Yeah. Like you know, someone born with Down syndrome, someone living in China instead of America, someone being persecuted. Like why that God would be glorified even in that. 
Like the, we look at the apostle Paul and what he went through. We look at his struggles, snake bitten on, you know, on, um, shipwrecked, shipwrecked put on an Island, put in prison. Like we look at him as the ability to recognize that God gets glory, even in our sufferings. Right. So it's like, you know, so why did, why do these things happen that God would get glory even in that? And, and it's the same thing, man. I, I met with a family, a young man that growing up, uh, he, um, he passed a, he, so he passed away last week, um, battled drug abuse throughout most of his life. Um, really had a tough run at life, man. Just, you know, combination of bad decisions, bad environments, not necessarily family stuff, but bad, he put himself in bad environments, made bad decisions right. and, and all the above, you know, just whatever. W- what's unique is that there was a point in our life together where me and him were on the exact same track and then God pulled me in one direction. God pulled him in the other, uh, or, or God allowed him to go, you know, however you want to see that. But God pulled me in, and, and I answered the call for ministry and responded to salvation and all of those things. But, um, even in that, you know, sitting down with a family, he passed away and, and based on, based on the information that we have, you know, he had come to put his faith in Christ and have made his peace with God. And then the accident happened, which is tremendous because it means that God took him, um, in that place of salvation, which is, you know, which is great. So, um, but in that I, I sat down with a family, um, last Friday and, and uh, one thing I was trying to encourage them is you got to find your thank you. And right. I said, I know that's going to be hard today because all you can see is a cloud of, of anger and frustration and questions. I said, but at some point you have to find thank you in the midst of all of this. And I think for all of us that are going through doubt that maybe we're doubting, maybe where we are, where God's brought us or, you know, like whatever, whatever the case may be, we have to find the spirit of appreciation. Like we have to find our thank you, even in the midst of what we're going through, because praise changes our perspective. Like we've talked about that before. And so like declaring like, God, thank you. I don't know what's going on, but I still, if, even if you don't do anything else for me, another day that I'm on this earth, thank you for the cross. Thank you for grace. Thank you for mercy. Thank you that if my life were to end just like this, it's not eternity. It's just temporary. Like, so finding the thank you, even in your doubt. Well, yeah. I mean, if it works in the secular world, how much more like the, the, the power of positive thinking is, is a best selling book. You know, it's like, and these, this whole, even the, from the humanism kind of standpoint of thinking, thinking the, like positive vibes and all these things. Like, I think there is something to that in a way. Don't right, mishear right, no, me, hear but, you. um, like there is some, like if you come in and, and you go to work one every day and you're the negative Nancy in the office and someone else just chooses to not be that and be positive, there's a drastic difference in, in those people's lives and how they feel and, you know, how, what quote unquote happens to them and you know what I mean? It's like, right. So right. When you say like praise changes perspective, like how much more so for us as believers, you know, like to just, just be po- like, try to see the positive yeah. optimism. Right. 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 You know, it's like, don't be so pessimistic. Yeah. hundred percent. Like the glass is not 
it, like, just be thankful there's something in the glass, let alone being it half empty right? versus half full or whatever. Right, right. No, 100%. I agree, man. I think that's the reason you and I, I mean, you and I listen to a lot of podcasts that aren't even, they're not Christian. They're not even spiritual podcasts. Nah. Like, uh, like all, they're, they're, they help you improve your thinking, your thought process. You know what I mean? Like, I think guys like Tony Rob Tony Robbins, Robbins and, yeah. and uh, you know, GV to an extent and, um, you know, different ones. Anthony turned me on to a new one, 15 minutes of freedom the other day, not a believer, you know, at least it didn't, he doesn't come across that way. Um, but man, just changing the way you think. Um, but then you apply that to a Christian context, right? So I'm not thinking about myself that I'm awesome. No matter what happens in my life, I'm thinking about how good God is and how he could have left me where I was like in my pit of despair like where I was when I was 17 years old and he called me out of darkness and revealed the hopelessness of my life and how bad I needed grace and mercy in the cross. He chose to reveal those things to me and he could have left me alone, but he didn't. So now we as believers or we as those that are pursuing God, like it should change the way we think about ourselves, about our circumstances, and even these areas of life that are creating doubt. It should change that. It should, and, and I hesitate to say this next thing because I don't know how it's gonna gonna sound. But it's like, at the end of the day, does anyone care? And what I mean is, like, I've gone through times where I've, you know, things aren't great, and you know, obviously compared to some people's like whatever it is, but but it is what it is, right? Right. But at the end of the day, does anyone really care? Does my negative attitude impact those around me? When I'm around them, it does. But do so, sometimes it's like people have this, it's like they walk around, I'm using air quotes, down in the dumps and depressed, just waiting on someone. How's it like, it's almost like they're trying to lure you into this, what's going on? Then you get to spend three hours talking about whatever your issue is. And, and, and obviously- Especially when it was the same issue as last week. Right, and obviously some of that is necessary, but what I'm getting at is like to set the spiritual aside for a second. It's like, okay, you're going through something, and like, okay, and like, and and for me, and that's why I say I hesitate because I don't, I don't necessarily know how to bring this full circle to to wrap it up. But it's like for me, right. I just have to, I come to a place where I'm like, ultimately, no one cares. Now, obviously, there's people that I have in my life that care about. Obviously, me. we care. Right. 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 But I can't. I can't allow, like, I have to say, okay, at the end of the day, no one cares. They don't care about my feelings. They don't care. Like, at the end of the day, no one cares. So, I have to choose something. But but I have a God that does. Yeah. You, well, you know, but it, it's, at the end of the day, it's like, man, sometimes it's just like, okay, you, you, you've you been dealt a bad hand. And? Yeah, I think, like, I come think, on. I think to help you frame this. Yeah, because. I think to help you frame this is like, what what would you do? What would you do if nobody did? Like we all know someone does. If you're, if you're at TC, you're in small groups, you're on the dream right, team, you right, got right. people around you that care, we love you. But what would you do if no one did? What if you didn't have a small group? What if you didn't have a dream team? What if it was you and God? What if God called you to the mission field in Thailand and no one around you even spoke English and you didn't even know how to communicate the struggle that you were going through? Would you just die in your sorrow? Or would you just say, you know what? Me and God, God on my side is enough for me to pick my head up. 
God on my side is enough. Like, I, I don't need anyone else to, right. to, to shoulder, like, give me the shoulder rub and talk about things are going to get, no, 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 no. Like if God is on your side you need to pull yourself out of that pit. Now I get, there are tons of reasons. And over the next couple of weeks, we're going into anxiety and depression. That's part of the right. thought attack series. Like legitimate, you know, chemical imbalance. Chemical type imbalance. Things, so all I, kind to- of things. I totally right. get people deal with things, but at the end of the day, and you, you know, even given some of those circumstances, you have to pick yourself up and surrender to God and say, God, the only way I make it through my best day is if you let me. So this particular day that is not my best, I need you even more so. You know what I mean? Like in just yeah, and, and so much of what I think brings people down isn't real stuff. Right. Like, and what I mean is, is, you know, like. You're depressed because like, I wish things were like, I wish, you know, like if you're a parent and your kid's on Xbox all day, it's like, I wish my kid wasn't on Xbox. So say, okay, but, but they are. So but now what are you going to do? Right. right. So like we can, we can wish things all day long, but it's like at the end of the day, like how do you, no one cares about your feelings about that. Right. How do you react to the way it is and fix it? I'm not saying allow your kid to be on Xbox 24 hours a day or whatever. I'm just saying like th- there's ways to go about things other than just, I wish it was better or I wish it, you know, it's like at the end of the day, does anyone care about that? And obviously we just said they do, but I just try to put, when I'm in that kind of zone, it's like, I got to get out of this. Like right, I, right, no, right. no one, no one cares. So <laughs> right, now right. what? Right. Right. right you you right. know what I'm saying? Like, and, and, and I, I, like I said, I hesitated to, to kind of even say that because how that may come across to the listener. But yeah, yeah I um, think at, at if, if no one cared, right. Then what? Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, cause you're, you're right. I mean, you know, most, there are some people that are going through stuff like this right now and they don't have anyone in their life. They don't have someone around them. And it's like, we are telling you like, but now what? Like, okay, you got dealt a bad hand. Listen, I can sit and, 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 you know, for a season of time I did, you know, going back to my personal thing, you know, after Javen passed away, I spent two weeks in a bedroom. I didn't want to talk to anyone. Right. And here's the thing to that point is like, at the end of the day, you've got to figure out how to do it, not by yourself, but you and God. Right. Because at the end of the I'm, I, I will use you, right? For example, sure. you're the pastor of our church. And if there was someone in our church who came to you for everything that went wrong in their life. A few months ago, you know, when you were dealing with Jabin, right. they were let down those weeks right. They, right? because you didn't I care about them. Did not care. So when I say no all. one cares, they may have been going through something real. Maybe their marriage was on the rocks, but you did not care. <laughs> right. You, you know what I mean? And I was not available. And you were not available. So it's, there are times when you probably do care, but there are times when you don't. Like, I don't care that your wife just left you. My son's in the hospital. Like, right, right, right. So, kind of my whole point to that is like even for me like at the end of the day I have I have friends that I consider I have two two guys that are my closest friends right but at the end of the day like my buddy Leaf right he's one of my closest friends but at the end of the day his first obligation is his wife and daughters not me right so I could be going through something and need my friend and him not be there and I'm not mad at him for that because I'm not his obligation those three people are right correct you know so when I when when I make when I say that no one cares yes he cares but no one cares other than your spouse and I don't have one but other than your spouse you're not anyone's top priority. Right. And for me, that's I'm okay with that because I'm not anyone's spouse, right? But- well, yeah, right. And, and even that, though, goes, it goes back to this one idea, right? 
which is most of the time when people find themselves in those positions, the people that find themselves in those positions often are living a life of consumption, but not production. Oh, so listen, like people like that are they're consumers. You mean in America? <laughs> what you mean? Right, 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 consumers? Right, right. Uh, yeah. Okay. So what we have is we have people who are there. It's it's almost like all they can do in life is consume other people's energy, time, resources, attention, but they don't produce any. The people that consume the most time, attention resources, etc., from someone else, never have it to give to someone else. So now what we've done, especially people who have been believers a long time, if you've been saved and you know who Jesus is, he's at the center of your life, but you're constantly needing someone to pat you on the back and, and help you get through every single, not just doubt storm, but just a small rainfall in your <laughs> life. Now, not only are you not able to help anyone ever because all you'd ever do is need help. So now you're not helping anyone, but now you're all also going to take from someone who does need to be helping someone else you're consuming their time so you're robbing from two people now mm. not just one and it's like man, man play we, play that again like rewind that so, like, <laughs> we we as believers we need to be producing hope not consuming it and so if you if you're close with the Lord, if you know who God is, if if he walks with you and he talks with you, there's no listen when people come to me and they're looking for biblical advice the, on the third trip, I tell them, you do know you got the same book as me, right? And Google. And Google. <laughs> like, 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 it'll point you right to the scripture. Matthew Henry commentaries <laughs> even out there. You can get context and everything if you want. Hermeneutical understanding. You can get it all. Like, you can't want to. Well, uh, and, and I get it sometimes, you know, man. That's yeah, the thing. I, I totally get it sometimes. And, and, and listen, when I was going through, you know, the the two days before and the two weeks after Jabin passed, like, I needed someone to pour into me because sure. I was not in a position to, sure. to do that myself. So I'm not saying there aren't seasons where people need to be encouraged and built up and poured into that. Yeah. Those are certainly very real things. How the, however is most of the time, you know, most of the time for someone like me, someone like you, it takes a category five doubt storm for us to lean in on people. Some people aren't even in tropical depressions. It's just sprinkling a little bit in their life and they're trying to knock down every door and get help. And it's yeah. like, at some point you got to go to the Lord yourself. Like, you got to knock on the door yourself. You got to go to prayer yourself. I have to ask people all the time, well, have you prayed about this? Well, no, I just want to come talk to you. It's like, well, what do you, I don't have anything to give you. <laughs> like I'm not infallible. Like I'm not omnipotent, omniscient, omnipresent. I'm not any of those things. God is. Why are you knocking on my door? Now I'll hug you. I'll pray with you. Right, because if, if if everything they do that has to do with God goes through the pastor or, th or through another believer, but it's like, man, you can't get anybody in heaven. Yeah. Listen, I had one lady I had one lady in our church. She got mad at me because I told her the lady that she was calling to stop answering the phone. So there was a young, there was a young lady in our church. She was going through marriage problems and she kept calling another one of our women in the church and she just over and over again, over and over again, over and over again. And it was the same thing. It was just on repeat. And it was like three times a week she was calling. I finally told the woman that she was calling. I said, quit answering the phone. I said, she don't want to change anything. She just wants to complain about it. Mm -hmm. I said, so you tell her next time, you know what you have to do. So do what you have to do. And once you've made the changes that the Bible has told you to make, 
then come talk to me. Yeah, I'm not going to work harder than you at your problem. Listen, come on. Say that not again. Not doing it. I'm not working harder. Not, like, no. Your pro- I'll help you. But right. if I'm working harder than you, right. then you can just – I'm going to – like, no. Yeah, some people mm-hmm. just want someone to complain to about their problems. They don't want to do anything about them. Right. And it's like, no, absolutely not. And that's cool if you want to live that way. But don't like, come to me complaining about it five times right, a week. Right, right. Right. I'll help you when you're ready for help. And it sounds, I know this sounds callous, two pastors of our church, but listen, we're trying to help, we're trying to, we're trying to help someone today. So send, I hope someone of y'all, somebody send, out send there. Send your complaints yeah. to Pastor Dan. <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> send your complaints to I ain't doing it at transformationchurch.com. Yeah, that's not a real. Uh, it's not a real email. Don't send them there. No, You'll get I, a I response. just hope people aren't hearing what we're not saying. Right. We're not saying we don't love people. We're not saying we're not here for people. We're not saying we don't care. What we're saying is you need to build a relationship with the Lord that if no one else did care, God is enough. You need to put yourself in a position that it, it, even in the moments of absolutely consuming doubt that comes over your mind, that your peace with God and knowing who he is, is enough. That God is our everything. It's like, here's the question. How good does God have to be to you for you to be happy? Come on, man. You, you know, like, look. So when you put something into perspective like that, it's like now you can, okay, so your your tire was flat this morning. Okay, like let's let's fill it up. But, you know, like how good does God have to be for to you for you to be happy? Yeah. Besides what he's already done, which is yeah. kind of die for your sins and give you eternal life. <laughs> oh, hey, oh. You know, but other like, how good does he have to be? Right. Or can we say he's already good? And okay. now what? Yeah. Now what? Now what? I referenced the I referenced the story that we told a while back uh, or a couple weeks ago on the podcast, and it was about the king. Um, so the, there's a there's an African king, and he had a a friend of his, and no matter what happened, the the friend was always like, "This is good." You know, and it like so, so they were the king and this man went hunting one time in the woods, and uh, the guy had loaded the gun for the king, and the king went to shoot it and misfired and blew his thumb off, blew the king's thumb off. And the guy was like, "This is good." And the king's like, "What are you talking about? Like, I just blew my thumb off." And so they, when they got back into town, he threw him in prison. And when he threw him in prison, the guy was like, "This is good." And uh, he was like, "What a weirdo!" So then the king <laughs> went hunting couple years later it's like two years the king goes hunting and and uh he gets caught by cannibals and the cannibals are tying him up and they're getting ready to eat him and they see he doesn't have a thumb and so they let him go because cannibals don't anything that's not whole you know and he realizes like oh my gosh if i hadn't if i hadn't lost my thumb they would have killed me you know and he goes back into town and gets the guy out of prison he's like i'm so sorry and the guy's like this is good and he's like, "How do you keep saying that?" He's like, "Cause, it, cause if you had, if you had to throw me in prison, I'd have been with you." You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> yeah. he's like, "This is good." And you gotta have like, at some point in time, you just gotta get that 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 walk, that spirit. Like, the, this is good. Like, some of y'all need some Tigger syndrome, you know, T I G G E R, like from Winnie the Pooh. Where, like, you know what I mean? Like, we just here to, like, I'm here to light up the room, not suck all the light out of it. You know, like. Right. So all that to say, man, like some of us, we need to step into some, this is good mentality. You know what I mean? With that no matter what we come in contact with as bad as it may hurt. And I'm even willing to say that you may go like, like that morning or, uh, that 
but hope comes in the morning. Joy comes in the morning. Sorry. <laughs> Weeping may endure for the night, joy but comes joy in. comes in the morning, right? That it's like even like you may have a season of weeping. You may have a season of of mourning or dread or whatever. Like you know like when 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 Jabin passed, like I didn't wake up the next day like high-fiving everybody. No, no, no. Like I had a season that I walked through where I grieved and I lost and I hurt. And there and then those seasons still come and go a little bit. I'm not going to lie. You know, and I and and if anyone was listening even semi carefully out of pastor on Sunday, what a lot of what you heard wasn't it was the message that he's walking through right now, yeah. like as he as he's dealing with the loss of Jabin. So a lot of what we heard on Sunday was him sharing where he's at personally, and so even in that, like even navigating that those storms, there were like there are nights where we weep. There are times when we grieve. There are times when we miss and we hurt. But we're going to find the this is good. We're going to find like, you know, there are so many families out there that never, that can't even have kids that want to. And God bless us to have five and a half years with an amazing one. Like, so there's so many different ways that you can take that. Right. And it's like, no, you got to find, you got to find the good. You got to find what's right, you know? So, and it's like going back to the, it's good. Like in all things, like even, even moments like where people like, especially men, like they don't like to, men don't like to cry and all that, but it's like even crying real, there, there is stress hormones in the tears. Right. You, you know, like, yeah, like literally like it's even in that, it's like the whole, <laughs> you know, you're, you're weeping in the night, you know, like let it, we weep, weep if you got to, yeah. you know, it, it literally will help get the, that, that. Whatever's in there, you know, it's, it's, it's that type of thing, you know, it's like, and yeah, you know, I mean, you had, have had conversations over the last couple of weeks, even about like leadership styles and stuff, like stuff we talk about. It's like, right. you know, I'm a believer in failure, you know, yeah. I, I like to let people fail um, because, because even though I don't like to fail, but it's like, I understand that failure is such a great teacher. So sometimes people are like I failed at this or I, I tried this new job at, I got a promotion but I failed or wh- whatever the case is or I'm f- like sometimes failure can be like okay like it may right. suck in the moment like yeah. this is this kind of sucks or it's a little painful you got to work through it and navigate through this but you know no hundred percent failure is so is is so um, well and that, it's so funny you said that there's a quote there's a quote that I pulled up and it was like doubt has killed more dreams than failure ever will oh yeah. And I was like, oh, that's good stuff. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, no. And, and to kind of bring this full circle, you know, talking about doubt. And, and I think the biggest thing, the enemy likes to plant doubt, you know. So sometimes it's circumstantial, but then the enemy loves to plant doubt. And, uh, you know, we just launched the pipeline last week. The and uh, leadership the leadership pipeline. pipeline, for those of you that don't know, we have a leadership pipeline where we help take people who are promising and they have leadership potential. We want to pull it out of them and, and train, develop, and make them great leaders. And many of you listeners are a part of that, and we love you guys. Shout out to y'all. Um, but even as we do that, last week, it was so funny. Last week, I, I talked to three different people. Check this out. Three different people, right? One of them was 50, one of them was 32, and one of them was 21, all in the pipeline. The 50-year-old said, I, I feel like I'm way too old to even be doing this. What am I thinking? Right? The 31-year-old said, I feel like I've gone nowhere and I'm going to go nowhere. The 21-year-old said, what am I thinking surrounding myself with so many older people? Like, they're so far out of my league, I shouldn't be here. The 50-year-old wanted to be the 21-year-old 
the 21 year old felt like they weren't worthy enough because they should be the 50 year old and the 31 year old felt like he was just trapped in the middle of nowhere yeah and i was like but all of you want to be each other like you know like none of your you at 21 you're not recognizing that everyone else that's older than you wishes they started doing this at 21 right. like they wish they were right. in the pipeline at 21 years old where could they be now had they been so the 50 year old wishes they were the 21 year old right and then uh, or, so the 21 year old needed to, needs to recognize that the 50 year old needs to recognize you have years of wisdom that none of them can pay for you're going to get to make decisions based on experience that none of them are going to get to make decisions based on. And you need to cherish that. And then for the 31-year-old, I said, you're in a unique position where you get to follow and lead at the same time. Exactly. Like you you get to look and make and not stumble over the same stumbling blocks that other people did while at the same time leading others to not stumble. I said, all of you are in phenomenal position. And they weren't complaining. They weren't like being Debbie Downers or nothing. It's perspective. They were, yeah. They, they were just like – you know, it's it's one of the things when you step into a, like something like a leadership pipeline or even like school or something, you're just kind of doubt is setting in. And I think some, it's the enemy. It's the voice of the enemy. Like, what are you even doing here? Why are you here? And we start to believe it. And we're going, man, I just don't know if this is the, mm-hmm. you know, because I'm not like so-and-so. And it's like, man, since when was being like so-and-so like the standard for what you needed? Well, I don't want to be like so-and-so. You, you know, know what I'm saying? Like, let's set the trail on fire ourselves. So all that to say, man, doubt comes so many ways, but at the end of the day, how we overcome doubt and my hope, our goal was to bring one, one bit of clarity in how you overcome doubt. And that's that you put everything on Jesus. You hedge your bets on Jesus. You give everything, you surrender your pain. You walk through your pain, but you surrender it to Christ, man. And you, you find your thank you. You find your love. You, you put everything on the fact that God will be glorified even in this. If you've lost someone dear to you, God will be glorified even in this. Yeah. And if someone you love is sick, God will be glorified even in this. You may have to look for it. He may have to help you, but he will be glorified even in this. If you've lost your house, lost your job, whatever the case may be, stay faithful to him mm. and he will be glorified even in this because God is not in the market of letting his people down. However, he will let us endure hardships because it is in hardships where we learn to lean on God, not ourselves. So if you could handle it all on your own, you would, and therefore you wouldn't, you wouldn't, you wouldn't need God. You wouldn't need God. So God is going to be, and he's going to constantly put us in a position where we need him. Because when we need him, we stay close to him, right? So that's it, guys. Good stuff. That's it. Doubt Storms from this past Sunday. Go have a listen to it if you haven't yet. Shout out to Pastor Dan. Great job. PD is on Twitter now. He is? He's on Twitter. What? So, yeah. What's his name? At Dan Livingston underscore. So, uh, Are you kidding me? get on there and, uh, I'm working with them guys. Pulling I'm working it, with them, everyone. Putting We're getting it on right now. <laughs> I'm working with them. So Dan Livingston underscore. So he ain't uh, following me. What's that? Bro, uh, I, I need th- to get a follow back. Listen, I'm, I'll get them. I'll get them on there. I, I'm helping them, you know, so we wait a second, Brad. I know it's not been active much. That's what I'm Oh, I, so this is old. He's just reading. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I was going to say last tweet is. August 1st, 2012. So listen, listen, what happened was we sent Twitter like four emails trying to get his password. We couldn't get his password back. And we finally, they sent us an email back four years later. Seriously. So. They're busy. 
So, anyways, we finally were able to get in there. We had to go. They through busy some stuff. getting them uh, Russian bots and stuff. <laughs> <laughs> they, anyway, they fighting the. I ain't doing that. They fighting the midterms <laughs> with these. <laughs> I ain't doing that. So, anyways, PD's on Twitter, so you can find him at Dan Livingston underscore. I am on Instagram and Twitter. You can find me at Brad Livingston underscore, and then Justin, you can find him at Justin Oswald All day. underscore. All right, guys, send us some love. If you got some questions, send us an email. Email, follow up at transformationchurch.com. Uh, otherwise, you guys can tweet us. You can do, you know, hit us up on those outlets. We would love to hear from y'all. All right, guys, yeah. we love you. We'll see you later. See you guys. Thanks for tuning in to the Transformation Church weekly follow up podcast. It would mean so much to us if you would subscribe, like, and review on iTunes. You get double points if you show us love by sharing it with your friends. Don't forget, you can follow Pastor Justin and Pastor Brad on Instagram and Twitter at Justin Oswald underscore and at Brad Livingston underscore. You can tweet them your questions and comments or email them to us at followup at transformationchurch.com. For more info on Transformation Church, visit us online at transformationchurch.com and on Instagram and Facebook at Transformation Pensacola. We'll be here next week where we will help create context and drive conversation to learn more of what God has for us.